It's Mothering Monday. I'm Crystal. I'm Peppermint. I'm Barbada. But you can call me Mother. And time for some Monday Night Football. We still have a championship game to win. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch on Monday, October 25th. We are counting down today's top three must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. Helena Hutchins' husband, Matthew Hutchins, paid tribute to his late wife on social media this weekend following her death Thursday on the set of the movie Rust, where star Alec Baldwin accidentally shot and killed her and injured director Joel Souza with a gun that was loaded with a live round. Hutchins shared two emotional messages in remembrance of his cinematographer wife, along with a photo of the couple's son. He wrote in part, quote, Helena inspired us all with her passion and vision, and her legacy is too meaningful to encapsulate in words. Our loss is enormous, and we ask that the media please respect my family's privacy as we process our grief. We thank everyone for sharing images and stories of her life. Meanwhile, Souza is recovering from injuries he sustained from the shooting and was released from the hospital Friday. Baldwin released his own statement, writing on Twitter, quote, There are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding the tragic accident that took the life of Helena Hutchins, a wife, mother, and deeply admired colleague of ours. I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred, and I am in touch with her husband, offering my support to him and his family. My heart is broken for her husband, their son, and all who knew and loved Helena. Police are continuing to investigate and question witnesses to piece together the chain of events that led to the shooting. The production company behind the Western film says it is also launching an internal review of the incident. You can check in at EW.com for all of the latest news on this story. In other news, James Michael Tyler, who played Central Perk barista Gunther on Friends, has died at 59. His manager confirmed to the BBC that Tyler died on Sunday peacefully at his home. In June, Tyler revealed he was battling stage 4 prostate cancer. Despite that, he was able to participate in the Friends reunion on HBO Max earlier this year, though he did so via video conference. Turning to the box office, sci-fi epic Dune pulled in $40 million domestically in its opening weekend, with overseas numbers pushing its worldwide total past $200 million. The Denis Villeneuve film, which stars Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Zendaya, and more, also debuted on HBO Max, which likely took a sandworm-sized bite out of its ticket sales. In its second weekend of release, Halloween Kills landed in second place, screaming up another $14.5 million. The latest James Bond movie, No Time to Die, slipped to third with almost $12 million. Rounding up the top five were the Venom sequel at $9.1 million and the new animated family movie Ron's Gone Wrong with $7.3 million. Dune star Chalamet's other new movie, The French Dispatch, from director Wes Anderson, debuted in ninth place with $1.3 million, earning the year's highest per theater average with $25,000 at just 52 locations. For more on those stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and more, head on over to EW.com. Now, let's reunite with our number three pick, 
My Life is Murder. The Australian Import Series is wrapping up its second season today by reuniting Lucy Lawless with her Xena co-star Renee O'Connor. Yep, Xena and Gabrielle are finally back together on screen, performing opposite each other for the first time since the fantasy series ended in 2001. Here, O'Connor plays a wellness guru, slash maybe cult leader? who clashes with Lawless's retired detective Alexa. When they meet, O'Connor's character is leading a self-improvement seminar, which Alexa, of course, doesn't take too seriously. Here is a clip from the episode. I know from lived experience that beautiful things come from violent change. Wow. You're doing better in a couple of days than I'm doing after years. Hmm. I have tried everything. I have moved house. I have chased a big salary. I have tried to change things up, but I cannot get at this emptiness. Losing interest in the hunt must have been confronting for a detective. Well, former detective, I'm retired. Yes. I'm sorry, I saw that on the application. When did you move back from Australia? That wasn't on the application. Oh, suspense there. Of course, these characters have a very different dynamic than Lawless and O'Connor's last pairing. The duo recently spoke to Dominic Corey for an exclusive interview with EW about what it was like to get back together. How easy was it to slip into a, a rapport again? Like a warm bath, baby. It was <laughs> so easy and so good. And I, I spoke because Ren and I also, we played a lot of different roles with one another. It wasn't like we were stuck in a certain mindset with our uh, our relationship to one another as actors that um, we got to play dual roles and all kinds of things. So um, it was just more play. Yeah, it was even better than I expected because these characters were so different from Zena and Gabrielle that there was more um, more to play with in, in current affairs and relationships. Uh, and it was all there for the taking. I mean, as I said before, Lucy was throwing stuff out and we were just having more fun than we probably should have been having uh, <laughs> these characters. Well, that ought to get the Xena Gabrielle shippers buzzing again. You can check out that full interview over at EW.com, and you can stream the big reunion in the My Life is Murder season finale on Acorn TV. Today's What You're Watching segment goes out to all the wrestling fans out there. With the new season of WWE Raw starting today on USA, we had a very important question for WWE United States champion Damian Priest. What you watching? Now, we are in the Halloween season, and I like to watch a little horror. So during this season, I'm watching Chucky, the series. And to me, the characters, the intriguingness, the, the authenticity is doing justice to the original Child's Play, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. So to me, this series is awesome. Now, speaking of movies, I just recently watched Halloween Kills. I've never seen Michael Myers portrayed to this level. I think they're doing the movie justice, the character justice, and I can't wait to see how this series ends. Now, speaking of seasons... We're talking about the season premiere of Monday Night Raw tonight on the USA Network at 8 p.m. Check it out. Watch me defend my title. Watch me do my thing as the Archer of Infamy and live forever. Get hyped. 
Of course, if you're not a wrestling fan, you can just check out Chucky Thursdays at 10 p.m. on USA and Sci-Fi and find Halloween Kills in theaters or streaming on Peacock. Number two. Now, time to teach the children of drag, that is, with our number two pick, Call Me Mother. Former Drag Race contestants Peppermint and Crystal have teamed with drag legend Barbada for this new competition series in which 10 diverse contestants will pursue the chance to join one of the Royal Trio's drag houses and be crowned the first child of drag. Each mother will fight to adopt the contestants into her corner on episode one, and things will get even wilder from there over the eight-week competition. Here's a preview. Welcome all of you to Call Me Mother. It's a drag show, baby. I'm Trixie Mattel, and I have a challenge for you. We're going to take this in a slightly different direction. Boo! Ah! Bearing your emotions through this art form. It got me emotional. Three new families have been formed. I think we've had the same challenges, but you've shown us amazing looks, great talents. That's the tip of the iceberg with what you can do. I see myself in you. I see where I can help you. Mother knows best, but three drag mothers? That trinity knows all. To break down what else we can expect on the show, I'm joined once again by EW's expert in all things drag, Joey Nolfi. Joey, how are you? Hey, Jared. I'm good. How are you? Great, thanks. Nice to have you back here on the podcast. So let's get into it here with Call Me Mother. This is a new series, so a lot of folks maybe don't know what to expect, but what kind of, let's say, let's talk about the maternal energy. What can we expect from the mothers on this show? Yes, there is individual maternal energy coming from each of these house mothers that just unites into like a Voltron of maternal <laughs> excellence altogether. Um, but we have Peppermint from RuPaul's Drag Race uh -huh. leading the House of Dulcet. We have Crystal from RuPaul's Drag Race UK leading the House of Glass. And then Canadian drag icon Barbada leading the House of Harmony. And all of these mothers basically select drag performers from a crop of auditioners. Think of like the voice, but for drag performers. So they mm -hmm. all select these different performers to compete for spots in their houses. And from what I gather, I did an interview with all three of them. Peppermint seems like she's going to be, you know, the mother who might be running the PTA, but also like <laughs> grounding your ass if you do something to cross her. But generally a very maternal vibe. Crystal, mm -hmm. I feel like, is going to be the mother who just drops her kids off at the pool and then just leaves for the day and doesn't watch them at all and just does her own thing. And Barbada... <laughs> I don't even know what to expect from Barbada because she did a wig reveal in the middle of our interview. So if that gives you any oh. sort of idea of how she is raising her drag children, I mean, they are in for, you know, several many stunts. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. She's raising them clearly to, like, be able to keep the attention on them is what it sounds like to me. Like, keep all Absolutely. eyes on you at all times. Love that. Okay, so that's the mothers. Let's talk about the contestants. What do you think we can expect there? Well, one contestant, I will tell you, whose name is Rosie, describes themselves as an agent of chaos in their official cast bio. So if that's any indication wow. as to what's in store, right off the bat in the cast bio, it's iconic. We also have a drag king who has an iconic name, Hercules Lees 
which might be one of my favorite <laughs> drag names I've ever heard in my life. It's just fantastic. There are so many Canadian queens on this cast. It's all Canadian. Mm. It represents a bunch of different types of drag. Like I said, it's you have beauty queens, you have drag kings, you have non-binary performers. It's just across the board really diverse, really representative of the full breadth of what drag can be. And I think a lot of people online are, have really been responding to that, the amount of diversity mm-hmm. that we see on this cast. So it's going to be a really, really interesting, unique experience, this show. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that um, all of the uh, contestants here are from Canada. Of course, Canada's Drag Race is currently on WoW Presents Plus. But there's another one I want to talk to you about quickly that's also airing right now. Uh, the Boulay Brothers Dragula. How do does Dragula, would you say, like up the extreme factor for, uh, you know, all of these drag competitions? Well, let me just put it this way. This is a show that in the past has literally kicked contestants out of airplanes, has electrocuted (laughs) them, has made them literally beat the crap out of each other in the middle of the desert for a spot in this competition, not to mention eating bugs, going through haunted houses, Within the first episode of season four, they are dropping them into the darkened abyss after shutting them in coffins, burying them alive, and also making them stand in front of cars that hurtle toward them at like 600 miles per hour. So it's a mix of Fear Factor and RuPaul's Drag Race. Wow. Um, So that is what you can expect. That same level carrying into season four, but amplified times a million. Uh, It's just, it's gross. It's glamorous. It is amazing it's exciting it is just unlike anything you've ever seen before clearly okay uh and one of the contestants this season is jade jolie who was on season five of rupaul's drag race how is she playing differently i guess than you know her strategy on drag race well, most people remember Jade Jolie on Drag Race as the creator of one of the most maligned uh, outfits in Drag Race history, mm. that rainbow wig dress, which is a complete tonal opposite from what she is doing on Dragula. I mean, her first runway, well, they call them floor shows on, mm. on Dragula. Her first floor show outfit is supposed to, they were supposed to do tributes to horror icons. Oh. Jade Jolie picked, of course, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's Sarah Sanderson from Hocus Pocus, <laughs> uh-huh. which... Might on first glance, you might think, okay, yes, of of all people, Jade Jolie is, of course, going to pick someone from Hocus Pocus. But Jade steps onto that stage and promptly eats a fistful of maggots. So (laughs) that will tell you all you need to know about the Jade Jolie we will see on Dragula versus the Jade Jolie we see on Drag Race. Got it. Okay, well, um, if folks want to check that out, new episodes of the Boulay Brothers Dragula are available to stream every Tuesday on Shudder. And Call Me Mother debuts tonight at 9 Eastern on Out TV. That's also available to stream on the Out TV Apple TV channel and Out TV's Amazon Prime channel. Lots of options there. All right, thanks a lot, Joey. Thank you, Jared. It's trivia time! In 2018, Peppermint became the first out trans woman to originate a role on Broadway, starring in a jukebox musical based on the songs of what 80s band? Tears for Fears, The Go-Go's, or The Bangles? Stick around for the answer and today's number one pick. What to Watch? We'll be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, 
their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuitsandjam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. This week in entertainment history, happy Halloween. Well, Halloween release date, that is. John Carpenter's slasher film debuted in theaters 44 years ago today on October 25th, 1978. The movie tells the tale of serial killer Michael Myers, who escapes from a mental institution and returns to his hometown where he terrorizes teenage babysitter Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, in her film debut. Halloween is credited with helping create the slasher movie as we know it today, drawing on predecessors such as Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho and popularizing horror genre tropes like The Final Girl. The film's massive success, grossing $70 million on a budget of around $300,000, also launched a wave of imitators, including several Halloween sequels and later slashers like Friday the 13th. Today, the original Halloween is considered a classic of the horror genre. In 2014, it made EW's list of the 13 scariest movies of all time. And yet another sequel, which we've mentioned here twice today already, Halloween Kills, is playing in theaters and streaming on Peacock. And now, time to pass the ball to our number one pick, All-American. The CW drama takes the field again to kick off its fourth season tonight, and it'll be tackling the aftermath of last season's hike in drama. All right, that's enough football puns. After the earth-shattering events of the Beverly and Crenshaw State Championship, namely that enormous fistfight that broke out between the two teams, Spencer also needs to come to terms with what happened to Coop and Layla, both of whom may be dead after the events of Season 3's finale. And just to add to the pressure, it's early National Signing Day for football, and Spencer must make a major decision about committing, because college football waits for no man. Here's a preview. Senior year wasn't supposed to go like this. I moved back here, got named an All-American, and I got the girl. And then, um, what's going on? It's cool. Mo had a gun. I don't know. Maybe people like us ain't supposed to have it all. You tried to hold me down, so I became a soldier. I can't leave the people I have left. You were way too smart to throw away a scholarship. There's no way Cooper let you sit aside your dreams. She ain't here to say it. So I'm gonna say it for her. I ain't going. I don't know. Maybe there's something out there that scares you. At some point, I gotta take a leap and find out, right? Well, you can find out what happens next on All American tonight at 8 on the CW. And lastly today, the answer to our trivia question. In 2018, Peppermint starred in a jukebox musical based on the songs of what 80s band? Tears for Fears, The Go-Go's, or The Bangles? Here's a hint. The musical was called Head Over Heels. Of course, that only eliminates one possibility, but the answer is The Go-Go's. The musical opened on Broadway in July 2018 and closed the next January. EW's A-minus review called it, quote, a giddy neon anthem of acceptance and praised Peppermint as, quote, ethereal and commanding. 
Well, that is going to do it for today's episode. We'll have more news and must-see picks for you tomorrow, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm Senior TV Editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. What to Watch. Today's episode of What to Watch was written by Tyler Aquilina, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, hosted and produced by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Crockmall.